Spandex Planet is the best wrestling podcast around. Spandex cards, spandex. I like spandex plan because it keeps me informed. And we're back. Episode number 26 of Spandex Planet. Thanks for joining me today. We just watched Backlash 2020 from the WWE Performance Center, um, where the greatest wrestling match ever took place. And. Uh, the greatest music video ever, the Miz and Morrison's uh, Braun Strowman music video, which was probably the highlight of the night for me. If you haven't seen that, you uh, you should. Now, was the greatest professional wrestling match ever uh, recorded uh, on that night or last night or whenever they filmed it? No. Uh, it's kind of a weird tagline like they had a very good match but to me I I just think that if you're going to tout something as the greatest wrestling wrestling match ever it should be ironic and they definitely they did a good job with the production and what they did and I'll talk about that a little bit later but overall just really weird marketing but not really surprising from WWE since they do weird things like that um that's kind of uh, you know, <laughs> going to be the biggest thing about this, this show. We're really going to focus it on backlash and kind of talking about that. Um, apparently edge was injured in that match. Torn tricep, uh, is what I've read. So that's kind of a bummer. I'm going to be out for a while, but based on the, the, what occurred in that match, spoilers, uh, I think that that the storyline lends itself to a real life injury. It's kind of a bummer edge is just back for a couple matches and is already, you know, out on injury, but Hey man, that's the nature of the beast. This crazy business. So let's kind of dive right into things here with a review of a WWE backlash 2020. But before we do, I would like to mention that this episode of spandex planet is brought to you by Gary Swan on YouTube. That is G-A-R-Y-S-W-A-N-N on YouTube. Gary Swan is a multimedia mogul passionate about the growth and entertainment industry. Privately funds actors and influencers under his banner and lives by one simple quote, quantity over quality. You can check them out on YouTube at Gary Swan, G-A-R-Y-S-W-A-N-N, and on Instagram at Gary underscore Swan underscore YouTube. That's Gary Swan Productions. Quantity over quality. Man, oh man, oh man. So Backlash 2020. Uh, I think it goes without saying. A little bit of bias as NXT uh, TakeOver In Your House last week was probably a little bit better. Um, or a lot bit better. I think I gave that one like an 8 out of 10. This show, I'm not so not so sure it's going to score that high, but uh, I did watch the whole thing, so let's dive into it. I will say, I, I am just so excited for there to be a crowd again, and just these, these, these shows uh, in the Performance Center in the pandemic era, it, they're not my favorite, and I'm tired of them. And I know that's definitely first world problems, but hey, man, 
I'm a first world kind of guy. So uh, we kick things off with Apollo Cruz, the United States champion, versus Andrade with Angel Garza and Zelina Vega. Uh, this was a, a really solid match. Um, Apollo got some new music, which is cool. Actually, kind of a fan that he's getting a bit of a push now. I think it's neat. Uh, Kevin Owens out at ringside to make sure that Mr. Garza didn't interfere on behalf of Andrade. This is a really, really solid match. They had some good moments. Uh, short, sweet, and and kind of what you'd expect from both guys. So uh, I'd give this one a 7 out of 10 with Apollo retaining after Kevin Owens prevents Garza from, from interfering. Uh, I, I like the, the few that they got going on. I'm always somebody who feels that Kevin Owens should be not necessarily um, in a mid-card feud, but also, I mean, it is what it is. Not everybody can be in the main event all the time, uh, especially because we need Braun Strowman in the main event. Everyone knows that. Then we open Backlash uh, with Bailey and Sasha Banks versus the Iconics versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um <clears throat> For this for the SmackDown, or I guess not SmackDown, but Bailey's the SmackDown Women's Champion. She's also the just the Women's Tag Team Champion with Sasha. Uh, Sasha. Man, uh, that's kind of how I feel about this one. Wasn't my favorite thing. Kind of a cluster, and uh, overall, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have very much to say about it. I mean, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but it wasn't great. Uh, I'd give that one five out of 10. Like it was just kind of there. Definitely could have been better. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't even really have anything to say about it. It's just a, just a flat five. Uh, we moved on there to Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. Um, I, the match wasn't the, I mean, it wasn't bad by any means. Um, but in, and, and I did enjoy it. Uh, and I do kind of like the few that they have going on. Um, I think it was, I feel like this just recently happened where someone threw pee in someone's face or maybe, maybe it was like 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't remember, man. I've watched too much wrestling. Um, you know, I, I like, I think Jeff Hardy's doing a great job. Um, it's cool. I was like when they bring like real life into stuff. Um, and Jeff Hardy tends to do that. If you recall his feud with Matt, um, back in, like 2009 before WrestleMania 25 with his, his house burning down or whatever. And like, that's cool. And, and they're doing it this time with his, uh, his past addiction. I like, you know, his acting is good. Uh, and you know, Seamus, unfortunately is kind of the weakest part of this story, but it's cool that Seamus is at least working with somebody notable like Jeff. Um, the match was fine. I think this is one of those feuds that I wish was happening not during the pandemic era, but I also understand like if the show's going on, they can't just abandon everything or not run storylines because there needs to be a show. So yeah, it was fine. Uh, I give this one six out of 10. It wasn't the worst thing ever, but it wasn't um, my favorite thing. And it also just wasn't bad. It was just pretty average. So, uh, you know, six out of 10 uh, for that match. Uh, I, I probably would have honestly given it a five and maybe I'm being a little harsh on it, um, but I just, I kind of like, the storyline, so I, I gave it an extra point for that. Next, we moved on to a true 5 out of 10 match again, uh, which was Asuka versus Nia Jax for the Raw uh, Women's Championship. Dude, I just... Ugh, it, it just It's not good. Um, Oscar retains, and I don't even want to say anything else about that. 5 out of 10, man. Not a huge fan. Uh, then, we moved on to, like, the weirdest thing. So, I kind of went bad on this match. Um last week talking about or maybe it was two weeks ago uh braun 
Strowman, who's the universal champion, taking on The Miz and John Morrison. And whoever wins, you know, whoever gets the pin is, is the universal champion. Honestly, like in retrospect, I think I like it more than I initially thought. Um, and uh, the match was good. I, I really, I loved their music video. It was fantastic. The song was actually really good and catchy. And I think The Miz and John Morrison are, are great together as a team. They teased a little bit of like um, decay in their, in their union during this match. And hopefully they don't split them up because I think that they work really well together. I want to see them in front of crowds together. And I honestly think them as a unit trying to defeat Braun Strowman makes for some good good TV. And, and the match was good. Um, I, I really didn't mind it. I'm not the hugest Braun Strowman fan, but I I think it works best when he wrestles guys like John Morrison who flip around and do uh, acrobatic things. It's just a good contrast. Um, <clears throat> I wish... I, I think it could have... There could have been some higher spots. I would have liked a little bit more... Like, I understand the way it was booked, but I, I, I think I would have liked a little bit more, like, Braun is in, in trouble, like, losing. I, I You know, I understand his, he's, like, he flips cars over and stuff, but I don't know. I would have liked to seen Miz and Morrison look a little more of a threat. Like, they had, like, one moment where they hit, like, a, a double-team finish, and, and that kind of brought the end of the match. But I wish they would have had a few more moments like that where Braun was maybe in danger. I mean, you're still wrestling two guys. You're wrestling John Morrison, who's been around forever. Uh, is very well-liked, and The Miz is a former, you know, WWE champion. So I think that could have been booked as such, and it was a little more like Braun can easily just kind of handle two dudes, which if he's flipping over cars, I think the continuity makes sense, but um, that kind of prevented me from, from giving it anything higher than like a 6.5 out of 10, which isn't bad. That's a little bit above average because to me, a six is average. So uh, 6.5 for that one. I wouldn't mind seeing that match again and then running it back. And I think they could have an even better one next time. Uh, so I have, you know, hopes for that. But I think the the shining stars, I really, really enjoy Miz and Morrison uh, as, a, as a unit. And I actually think this is better than I thought as far as booking. Um, SmackDown's kind of been like an AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan show for a while, which is good. And don't get me wrong. I prefer that. Uh, but I think for the WWE title picture, this this actually does make sense. And I'd like to see it extend a little bit more. We do have Extreme Rules with the new Team Extreme logo um, for for next month uh, with the, the, the green and purple. People are talking about that. That uh, changed the logo a lot, man. It's the little things that get us excited during the pandemic era, for sure. Um, yeah, so 6.5 out of 10 for that one. I think they could easily have a, a 7 or an 8 match down the line here but uh, it was solid for what it was kept my attention so yeah then we moved on to the wwe championship drew mcintyre versus bobby lashley dude the this match was actually very very good i, I really enjoyed it definitely one of lashley's better matches since his uh, return to the company i think it makes sense that he's in the um the 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 title picture i don't mind it at all but the Lana thing, man, that really kind of ruined some stuff for me. Like everything that she's in, it just ends up not being great, uh, which is a bummer. Uh, it's it's kind of unneeded. I, I guess wrestling's a soap opera, so that's why they're doing it. But man, I you know I it ruined a little bit for me, but it's still still a very very good match. I would give that one a seven point five out of ten. Drew retains. 
I think we get a, a couple more Lashley matches out of that. And then, hey, man, maybe by the end of the summer or by summer uh, summer slam time frame, we, uh, we get some crowds back, you know, by, by the end of this feud. So uh, I'm hoping for that one for sure. But this was very good, and I wouldn't mind seeing them uh, run it back again. Now, for the greatest wrestling match ever as it was billed, I'm going to do some pros and cons of this. <clears throat> so let, let's start with the cons because it's easy to start there. The biggest con is that it was called the greatest wrestling match ever, which is just so ridiculously WWE of them to do and just so stupid. Um, I, I guess I see the marketing behind it. I think the word on the street is that they wanted um, kind of like a big SummerSlam type match. Obviously with COVID and everything, it's it's not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, so uh, apparently they wanted to market it as, you know, the greatest wrestling match ever to get people like excited. I dude, I don't know. Their, their line of thinking is always very perplexing to me. I don't know why, who that would make excited or why it would be billed as that. Um, <clears throat> but it is what it is. I had read somewhere previously that maybe they were planning some, another like Saudi show. And you know that would make sense for like the greatest Royal rumble, the greatest wrestling match, whatever. But apparently they just like to use the word greatest and things. And man, that's definitely the biggest con because nothing is ever going to live up to that. And it just kind of makes it seem silly. Now the pros is that you get an edge match, which is always exciting during this time since he's coming out of retirement. Uh, and the fact that it's edge and Randy Orton. And when they want to, they can obviously have a fantastic match. Now we get into the match and, um, the way it was presented while on paper may sound kind of funny. It was actually awesome. So, they made an appearance. I think this was filmed um, a while ago. Not a while ago, but, you know, probably like a week beforehand. And it may have been the only match that they filmed at that time. But they they did something a little different with the entranceway. It's really funky with, like, the, the plexiglass, like a hockey game. Um, but they, they made it, you know, the graphic on the ramp was like a steel ramp and the backlash background. It, it definitely looked more like an actual entranceway versus the performance center setup, which I just kind of bugs me. Um and they had Howard Finkel, the Fink, uh, announce them, uh, like old school MSG style, which is really, really cool. And then they piped in crowd noise through the whole match. Like it sounded like they were in an arena, which like I said on paper may sound silly, but it actually ended up being awesome and made me more invested in the match because I felt like it was, you know, occurring in an arena, even though there was only like, I don't know, probably 15 to 20 NXT uh, or contracted guys like in in girls surrounding uh, the ring, but man, uh, the match was great too. It was fantastic. It's kind of what you would expect. They went a while. I don't actually know exactly how long the match went. I can probably look here in just just a sec. Um, but it but it went a little while. Um, let's see. It went like forty five minutes. It, it felt like a little bit shorter than that actually. Um, so it went like 45 minutes and, uh, it was, it was excellent. Kind of what you would expect from them. They've worked together a lot over the years. And I think edge is probably in the best shape that he's been in since like 2002 or three. Um, so he looks, he looks great. He's moving really, really well. Unfortunately, I mean, the body 
isn't exactly what it used to be, hence the uh, the injury or the reported injury, the torn tricep. Um, but, man, Orton was great. Orton really shines when uh, he can just really uh, turn his character up to 11. So doing just the weird Randy Orton things like whispering in his ear and saying he was going to fucking kill him uh, and calling him a motherfucker and not being bleeped out was really, really cool. Um, there's just a lot of really, really good stuff. Like I said, they went 45. It was an excellent match. And uh, Orton ends up hitting the punt, which we haven't seen in years. A lot of people were surprised by that. And that's kind of what I was foreshadowing earlier with Edge's injury. The punt makes perfect sense to take him off TV. And frankly, I don't want to see another Edge match because he's sort of a special attraction now um, until the crowds are back and we can have a big to-do about him, like the Royal Rumble. Um, So I think this is perfect. Who knows what this year is going to bring? I mean, we could go back to just no sports until there's a vaccine sort of thing. But with a torn tricep, he could be out the rest of the year anyway. So we'll see. Um, We could get another Orton Edge WrestleMania match or WrestleMania 37. Uh, Who knows? Um, But this match was was excellent. I think the punt was a perfect way to end it off. Uh, Orton getting the win and then, you know, saying all the crazy Randy Orton things in his ear. Uh, about going home to his family and saying Uncle Randy says hi was just excellent. Really, really uh, good stuff. Very well written, well done. Um, I would give this match um, a 9 out of 10. Definitely, obviously, the match of the night. The best match that I've seen on WWE TV during the entire pandemic era, um, if you will. Very, very good. It was not the greatest wrestling match ever, but I don't know what could be considered that. I guess if you're going off the Meltzer scale, it's one of the uh, Omega Okada matches, which, yeah, in my brain is probably better than this too. But this this was excellent. Very, very good. Really, really liked it. Uh, so 9 out of 10. Good stuff. I think Backlash is – it was just weird. Last year they replaced Backlash with Stomping Grounds, which was just a horrible idea. So I'm glad Backlash is back. Those weird one-off named pay-per-views never do well. And there was like no one in attendance. It was very bizarre. So I'm happy Backlash. You know, I, I, you know, obviously being like a, um, a ruthless aggression attitude era person, uh, in my, in my childhood, I want everything to be named what it was. I want unforgiven and no mercy and vengeance and all that. So it's cool to have Backlash. Um, with that Edge Orton 9 out of 10, excellent match. I think it really, really assisted the show. Because up until then, it was pretty average. Which most like non-Big 4 pay-per-views are in, in, in most summer shows, for some reason, kind of end up being. Um, oh, that man, I almost forgot because it wasn't a match. But they, they announced the Viking Raiders versus... Uh, the Street Profits, and instead they did a backstage segment that was, like, hilarious. It was so bizarre. Um, they've been doing a thing on TV for weeks where they're competing with each other, doing various, like, sports and comp- competition things, and they always have, like, you know, it, it, it's it's very funny, um, as far as wrestling goes, at least. It's not, like, laugh-out-loud funny, but it's definitely WWE funny in a good way, if that makes sense. So they really added to the cheese of this, and... They had Akira Tozawa with a bunch of ninjas and they fought ninjas and then jumped off of one of the production trucks into a dumpster. Very weird, but like really entertaining. And and I was honestly a fan and normally I'm not a huge fan of things like that. So, Hey, you know, I think that honestly helped the show out a little bit too, because the first few matches were like, bleh. Um, 
yeah, so with that being said, I think this show probably, I mean, if the Edge and Orton match ended up being either not on the show or one of those matches that was like a very quick thing that was ironic about being the greatest wrestling match ever, this show probably would have got like a 6 out of 10 from me. Um, but the Edge Orton match definitely kicked it up. So I'd probably go like a 7 out of 10. Definitely one of the better, like if. If you watch like if you pull one match out of this and watch it, you'd probably think, but you know. But when you watch it as a whole and really go back and recount all the things that happened, it's honestly it wasn't too bad. One of the better pandemic era shows for sure. Obviously, the Edge Orton match, like I keep saying, really uh, beefed it up. But that one, for sure, seven out of ten, man. I, if if you didn't watch that one, go watch it. Give it a shot. It's not going to be Wrestle Kingdom, but it's it's not it's not bad at all. So Edge is out for a little bit with that. And this is the uh, the post-backlash fallout. And uh, there's been some... Look, I, I don't honestly spend a lot of time on like dirt sheet stuff because I just frankly don't really care very much. But uh, apparently Christian is supposed to, to be coming back uh, in some form or fashion to uh, confront Randy Orton. And if this means Christian is back wrestling, that's amazing um if it can be done with uh you know daniel bryan and edge then it certainly can be done with christian he's out um due to just concussion stuff uh dude i i'm such a huge fan of christian i would be uh excited and him and orton have great matches so i'm not gonna hold my breath but that would be very very cool if that did happen and i think giving christian another run where he's kind of a big deal is is necessary uh because his last run was not it wasn't bad, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't what I thought it should be, which leads us into the fantasy booking for this week. Since we're still in the pandemic era of life, uh, I'm unable to train, although we may be diving back into training here pretty soon, uh, but I'll keep you updated on that um, as time goes on. Um, yeah, so... Uh, like I said, that kind of leads me into the fantasy booking for this week. And I decided with the greatest wrestling match ever uh, with edge and the potential of Christian coming back, I would talk about Christian a little bit. So let's get to the transition music and then, uh, we can fantasy book that. Alrighty. <clears throat> so Christian, Christian Cage, Captain Charisma, the instant classic. I was always a huge fan of Christian um, growing up when a lot of other people weren't. And I don't know why I always liked him. I just always had, there was something about him that I always liked. Uh, and <laughs> what's really, really strange is I've always had this weird fascination with Canada. And that's probably why. So I really love pretty much any like wrestler from Canada. Uh, especially when I was younger, the exception to that being Rob Van Dam. But when the Un-Americans were doing their thing with Test and Lance Storm and Christian, I loved it, which is so bizarre being an American. Uh, but I was I was really into that as a child. It's a little uh, communist, I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, I've always been a fan of Christian. And then, you know, as I got older um, and he returned to WWE, 
in 2009 and had did definitely the best work of his entire career during that period between like 2009 and 2014 that solidified my, my love for him. And he, he made his way into like probably like my top five uh, favorites of all time. Uh, if not top five, absolutely top 10. So um, if you, uh, if you're not a Christian fan, hopefully I can uh, make you one by telling you to go watch uh, some matches specifically go watch his stuff. He, he did great stuff in, in WWE ECW. Uh, but he also did wonderful stuff with Orton on SmackDown. So really, really cool stuff there. And I'm excited if he comes back and works a few more matches, I'd, I'd be really, really happy. Another reason I always love Christian is because his theme music um, was always like fan- fantastic and catchy and like just different than everyone else's. So I don't know. That's my thing. I was really obsessed with theme music and entrances, which I think a lot of kids are. That's kind of what attracts you in the first place, right? So everyone loves Kane. So uh, Christian Cage... I think we all know the story by now because everyone probably knows Edge's story. But uh, childhood best friend of uh, of Edge, uh, Edge got trained, and then Christian got trained, and they were they were tagging up together throughout Canada. Um, the Blonde Bombers or Blonde Bombshells or whatever their names were. But uh, we start in WWE. Um, Edge debuted in '98, uh, doing like a loner gimmick, and just kind of was there. Uh, and then Christian debuted also later on that year, which was pretty cool, uh, with his like white blouse shirt thing on, which there's a new, uh, Mattel figure that represents that time period. That's fantastic, uh, that I have because the pandemic has caused me to overspend on wrestling figures and start a lot of different collections that I previously didn't, uh, but <laughs> side note, uh, so he debuts and kind of distracts edge, uh, but then eventually they, uh, they form a, a unit with Gangrel called the Brood, where they're essentially, you know, vampires. Really, really popular during that time frame. Had some great stuff with um, the Hardy Boys during that time. Christian did a lot of stuff with the Light Heavyweight Championship. Um, and I remember during this time period, like 98, 99, I definitely watched all the time. Um, I think I was, man... I was seven during this time period. So I probably just really only loved like Kane (laughs) and the undertaker, but I do remember the brood and I remember seeing them on TV and being completely terrified of their entrance. It used to like freak me out. I could never like have their music playing, which is now I'm like, dude, there's literally the best wrestling entrance theme of all time, but I could never have it playing when I was younger. So, um, I always liked that, but I don't think Christian ever stuck out to me. I think Gangrel was the one who stuck out to me. But then uh, Edge and Christian break away. The Hardy Boys join the Brood, and then it's ENC, uh, Edge and Christian, which one of the most famous tag teams in WWE history. Uh, and around this time was definitely my like religious viewing, where it was every single week, Raw and SmackDown. I was fully enveloped in it, and uh, they were amazing. They were hilarious. I always loved them. Definitely preferred Edge over Christian, but I always really liked Christian too. I liked both of them a lot. I actually preferred them over the Hardy Boys, which I think was not a in the younger crowd, probably not as popular of an opinion, but I did like them a lot. Uh, then we got into 2001 where Christian turned heel after Edge won King of the Ring. They kind of teased a turn for a while. Christian turned on Edge. They had some, some decent matches that I didn't end up seeing until like later on, actually. I had like a tape of uh, Rebellion from 2001 where uh, Christian and Edge had a K 
cage match. And that was one of their first matches I ever saw because back then definitely did not order pay-per-views on the regular. So I didn't, I didn't see a lot of their stuff. Um, eventually Christian does join the Alliance, which makes absolutely no sense. And was part of the problem of the Alliance when you have like a good guy versus bad guy team. Um, you know, and you're going to make WCW the bad guys. A lot of your WWF heels kind of just don't really make sense unless they join the Alliance. So I get it from that perspective, but also Christian never wrestled for ECW or WCW. So it doesn't make sense. Edge actually, I think had like a, like a dark match or a squash match or something in WCW one time. So that would have even made more sense for him to join, but whatever adds to Christian's heel persona. Uh, and then he's really just like, <clears throat> he has this like weird look where he's wore that netted shirt, which is like iconic now, but he has like a weird body. Um, he looks like a tooth, like popsicle stick, I guess. <laughs> so it's really, really like bizarre, uh, weird look with his long hair. And I honestly think that held him back for a while. He just had like a kind of an awkward look. Um, that's just my opinion though. After the feud with edge is where the un-Americans come in and that's through 2002 him and test and, Lance Storm, and then eventually William Regal was awesome. A lot of really great work from them out of that. Uh, and then we moved into the singlet era for Christian, where he kept the long hair, but he started wearing this like really weird singlet uh, to get rid of like the mesh, like net shirt that he always wore, and that was also very very awkward. Um, and it's it's weird when you think about Christian from like 2000 2001 being a part of some of the the biggest matches in in history, honestly, with the TLC stuff or. Uh, or even just the triangle ladder match at WrestleMania 2000 to like this time period where he's still like a solid mid Carter, but you don't remember that he was that guy. At least I never thought of it like that. It's kind of interesting. Um, then they, they uh, pair him up with Jericho like 2002, 2003. Uh, and I really loved that tag team. They had some good stuff with uh, Bubba Dudley uh, or the Dudley boys, I guess good uh, little tag team run there. And obviously I've discussed my love of Chris Jericho on this. So anything with Jericho, I loved and you had Christian to that and I already enjoyed him. So that was a cool team after they parted ways. Um, well, I guess this is while they were still together. Christian cuts all of his hair off. I, I feel like I don't quite remember exactly when that happened, but I do have like a vague memory. I believe he like wins the intercontinental title at like judgment day, 2003. Um, and the reason I remember this is because around that time, uh, I remember my parents upgraded to a way better cable package. And so I used to just order the pay-per-views and not even tell them, or I was a little shit. <laughs> now I'd just be like, Oh yeah, it doesn't cost anything or whatever. And the bill would come and get in trouble and the cycle would repeat. But then eventually like they just let me do it. Uh, so I watched everything in 2003. Um, but I think he wins the title and then comes out the next night with the new music, which was actually a bummer because he had really, really cool music uh, with like the opera theme stuff that he did and all the gold falling down. Pretty elaborate entrance, honestly, for a mid-carder. And changed it just to some like generic rock music with his like weird frosted tip haircut. Uh, but it was still cool to see him kind of ditch that. And then he kind of switched over to just tights. And I just felt like he looked better overall. Um, then we have that big feud with Jericho. Uh, with where, you know, Jericho's kind of defending Trish Stratus's honor. They have the WrestleMania 20 match where Trish turns on Jericho and goes with Christian. I loved that. That was like something I think about all the time. I, out of everything that happened on that show, and it was a very good show, that was the thing that I cared about the most, which is, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, and then we have 
that kind of fizzled out. And then we had Tomko brought in as Christian's heater uh, into like 2005. And then we get like the title match stuff at Vengeance 2005 with Cena and Jericho in a triple threat match. And I was really, really happy about that because like I said, I was definitely a Christian fan. And what happened right before that, I think the first time he got new music uh, past that weird rock thing that I was just talking about was Survivor Series 2004. Uh, and the first time I heard that, I was like, what is happening right now? It was like the coolest entrance music I ever thought I ever heard. And it made me love Christian even more. And then I just wanted him to be the top guy in everything. So, uh, that was his waterproof blonde theme, um, which was just miles and miles better than that generic rock theme that he had. Just super, super cool. But I even loved Christian's theme, uh, when he would wrestle singles, when he, when he was with the uh, ENC, I don't know why I just, I always thought it sounded very like kind of Gothic still and my soul is sort of Gothic. Um, so then at the end of 2005, his contract expires. Uh, and then he, he moves over to TNA, which around this time, like I was a huge TNA fan watching all the pay-per-views from like 2002, like end of 2002 into 2003, 2004, when they move over to Fox sports net. But like 2006, I was really in and out. So that was really when Christian Cage uh, was kind of a big deal with them uh, when they were on like Spike TV. And I don't really remember a lot from it because by 2007, I'm fully out of, of TNA and not watching it at all. I'm sure he had some great stuff there. Um, I mean, I've seen some of it and it's definitely very good. He started using the Frog Splash, which I thought was cool. And it was cool that he was like, you know, a main guy. He was he was a big deal. Uh, around this time, he, he also had some matches in Ring of Honor. Um, this is when I was, I knew what Ring of Honor was. And then with that upgraded cable package I'm talking about, um, my parents actually ended up getting like another company that had Ring of Honor. From what I remember, I didn't have it like on their old like pay-per-views on the old cable or dish satellite, whatever we had. Uh, but on this other one in like 2006 or seven timeframe, there was pay-per-views and I ordered one and it wasn't like the shows that Christian was on, but it was, it had his match with Daniel Bryan on it. And I think it was like a compilation pay-per-view maybe. So this is probably like 2007, which I loved. I thought was super cool that he was in ring of honor. This is when I really started venturing into the, the indies and, and other things uh, aside from WWE and TNA. Uh, he also had a, a match with Colt Cabana versus Daniel Bryan and, and Chris Daniels, which I, I still haven't seen, actually. And then he even wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom with AJ Styles and P.D. Williams versus uh, Minoru, Prince Devitt, and Mil uh, Milano Collection AT, which is really cool that he got out there and got to wrestle for some pretty notable companies. Uh, so we had a really successful TNA run. Um, contract expired in 2009. And then big surprise return, February 2009, on the WWE ECW brand. Um, probably one of the most anticlimactic returns ever. So what's really, really cool as from what I remember, there was definitely like a, a, a humming that Christian was going to resign. And I was definitely excited about that. This is we're well into like the internet age. So I, I probably read a report somewhere. So first when his music hits, it's my story of the year, which I actually listened to that band, uh, outside of wrestling. So I really enjoyed that. Um, cool. Another take on his music. So that's instantly exciting. He's a new Tron. Like I said, I'm kind of a nerd for stuff like that, which I think a lot of us are. Uh, and so that was really cool, but just the most anticlimactic, like, oh, it's Christian when he comes back after, you know, 
four years being with another company, just a classic WWE, just kind of like crushing something like that, just poor announcing. Uh, and the fact that he came back on ECW at first, I was like, dude, like this company has never like seen Christian as a main player, obviously. And that was definitely solidified by putting him on ECW. But I think now I recognize that they probably did that. So that there was some star power on that show. Um, because 2009, I mean, that show was just a glorified like main event or superstars or whatever, just a, a C show. Uh, so putting Christian on there gave it some more notoriety. Matt Hardy was on it previously in that role. Um, and from what I remembered, I mean, he had some good stuff with, with Swagger. He was obviously the ECW champion. Um, I remember he renamed the Unpretty or the Kill Switch, which I didn't like at first. Now it's fine, but I still think in my brain, I still always just call it the Unprettier. Um, and then ECW like disbands, right? And then he goes over to Raw uh, and then SmackDown. And then in 2011 is is where we have, you know, Edge retires and, and then Christian, he finally wins the world title. 2011, I remember being really pumped for that. He beats Del Rio for it. Awesome, great moment for him and Edge. And then he just holds it for a month, just a paper transitional champion, loses it to Orton on SmackDown, which is just like, killed me, man, as a Christian fan. He's doing some of the best work of his career. And I'm like, come on, man, give him a lengthy, like meaningful title reign. But then he's in a, in a you know a title feud, and around this time, WWE really really likes to throw around um, like title changes just every month or every two months or whatever. So whatever, he's in a feud with Orton, having some of the best matches of his career. Um, and then they do the stipulation where it's like it's like Money in the Bank. It was the same Money in the Bank that CM Punk was wrestling John Cena, that really famous Money in the Bank. And uh, the storyline goes that Orton, you know, had his his anger problems. And if he was to get disqualified, Christian wins the title. So literally, Orton kicks him in the nuts and wins the title. Christian wins the title by getting kicked in his fucking nuts. And it's just like, dude, embarrassing and just stupid. And I hate that. And I still hate that to this day. I think that's the worst, just poor shitty booking. It makes Christian look like shit. And then literally like the next month he loses it again. And then he never holds the belt again. Kind of goes back to the lower mid card. There's some injuries he deals with comes back in like 2013. Um, I feel like he maybe had like a, like a number one contenders, like placeholder type feud, but it's just cause they it seemed like they didn't have anyone else. And then 24, he kind of just like was there, uh, 2014, he turned heel, but then he had got a concussion and kind of just quietly faded away. I remember like not knowing that he just wasn't wrestling anymore. I was like, Oh, okay. And then he had like the edge and Christian show on, on the network. And then eventually they had the ENC podcast, which was amazing, which stopped because edge was training to come back and now edge is back and Hey, maybe Christian's back. Maybe that inspired him. But I think the overarching theme here is that on paper, or just talking about it and going through like the whole career like that. It, um, he had a, an amazing uh, career. He was involved in some of the biggest things of the attitude era. Um, he's always a solid mid Carter, won a bunch of titles, tag titles, intercontinental title, things like that. And then, you know, winning the world title is great. So at least that's, you know, under his, his name, even if it was kind of bullshit reigns, um, at least it's there. Uh, and then unfortunately, you know, he gets concussed and he's like, Hey man, I kind of, I got to stop doing this. And he's still involved in some stuff. Um, and there's always word that like Vince McMahon never liked him. And that's where the stone cold 
thing came in in like 2004 where he was calling him a, the CLB <laughs> creepy little bastard thing, which was like funny and everything. But Christian's another example of someone where I'm just like, I understand everything up until he returned in 2009. Uh, and that's probably where my fantasy booking would start because like I said, his debut with Gangrel and Edge, I would not change that for anything. His ENC stuff, I would not change for anything. Even his heel turn, I think, was was great. Probably wouldn't have put him with the Alliance right away. Uh, but his Un-American stuff was great. He was always featured, big heel. His tag stuff with Jericho was awesome. Um, and I was really honestly happy with everything he was doing up until he leaves. I think I wouldn't change the TNA run for him because I think that solidified him as a main eventer uh, to a lot of people. Um, just really holding the belt and being at the top of that company for for years. Um, and it was cool he got to venture out to like Ring of Honor. I wish he did a little more Ring of Honor and some more indies. Um, got to go to New Japan. I love all that. Great experience. Gets outside the WWE bubble. So then he comes back in 2009 on ECW. And he's in the best shape of his career by far, um, best work of his career. And, like, I don't know how I feel about that because, to me, I, I would have had him return on, like, Raw or SmackDown. But then I feel like he probably would have got lost in the shuffle even more during that time period, especially, like, 2009 and 10. It was just – that was full force, like, PG era, and there's just a lot of random shit going on. So, yeah, maybe, maybe – I, I would have him still uh, do the ECW run with Swagger, 2009, 2010, as ECW champion until it folds. And then what I would have done is, I, I think it, ECW, and I could be wrong, but I think ECW folded as a brand while Christian was champion. So what I think would have made sense is that when it folds as champion, he's the champion of the third brand. He should automatically be inserted into a title feed on Raw or SmackDown, wherever, you know, he goes. Um, it doesn't make sense for it to be like, okay, well, now you start from the bottom. So I think that's probably where I would have started. So 2010, rather than him go directly to like the mid card, <laughs> um, I think it would have been better to put him in like a main event position and and that's what i would have done absolutely even if you turn him heel i think a, a edge christian feud uh on smackdown with the del rio stuff would have made so much sense it obviously would have gotten derailed with edge getting injured um but you can kind of have the same result right like have christian come out he's whatever he's heel starts feuding with edge for the world title even if he doesn't win it right off the bat um a triple threat match at WrestleMania in 2011 instead of Christian just doing nothing, I think would have made so much more sense. And then if edge retires, like that doesn't mean Christian can't just like turn face, like call an audible. He's face still have him feud with Del Rio and then win the belt. Him winning the belt that way was totally fine, but I absolutely would have still put him in the feud with Orton, but had him held that belt throughout the entire feud. So he would have had a lengthy title reign. And then even if he loses it at wherever, it's not on SmackDown. He loses it on a pay-per-view to Orton after, you know, retaining it all through the summer in a, in a really good feud. Maybe Orton loses by – or Christian loses by DQ, whatever. Keep that feud alive, but keep Christian the champion during that. Obviously, the, the powers that be did not see the value in that, but um, that would have that would have been the main change I would have made. Uh, from there, 
he did have an injury, so I could see after he loses the belt, like keep him up in the upper card. I don't remember who really was like a big deal in 2012 other than, you know, Cena, obviously. Um, but even coming back from injury, man, like don't just insert him back into the intercontinental title, you know, feud, like keep him in, in the main card. Really? I think he had some stuff he did with the shield, which was cool. I would have kept him up there feuding with CM Punk. I think that would have been a fantastic feud. Like Christian and Punk could have like just made a ton of money, had a WrestleMania match. That was one of them, right? Like Jericho, like Jericho was amazing in that feud, but like after that feud, a transition to Christian would have been perfect. Uh, and then in 2014, before he had to, you know, he was decommissioned. I, man, I think him and Daniel Bryan in a feud um, while while Daniel Bryan was like really heating up with a heel Christian would have been fantastic way to get Daniel Bryan like over more. Um, I, I Orton was a champion at that time. Uh, at least I think they combined it. They just had one at that point. Cause in 2013, I think they like made an undisputed champion again type of deal. So yeah, man, like have him in those feuds, you know, um, Daniel Bryan still could have had his time at WrestleMania 30, but then Christian, you know, could have, I don't know, feuded with, with someone else who was a big deal, like an upper mid card. My whole point is like, he was so underutilized on that comeback. And I think he was doing better work than literally everyone on that roster. So keeping him in the main title feuds and, and giving him real meaningful title reigns, like real meaningful ones, like throughout, you know, months of feuds, uh, and and maybe another one around that time period, like 2013, 2014, if he would have, uh, been the, uh, the, the WWE or whatever champion. I, I I just, I think that would have made more sense. Um, hell have Christian win a Royal rumble, man. Why not? I don't know. I could go on. I could really honestly go on about this forever. Cause that one makes me very upset. Uh, <laughs> cause he was like so close, but also still so far away. So here's hoping he comes back and is kind of in a main, in a main feud to, you know, on his last run, which I would assume this would, you know, be his last run. If it's, if it's a run at all, time will tell by next week. We'll know. Um, but yeah, I think in closing fantasy booking wise, really what I would have changed is, is him coming out of ECW and, and being a title contender right off the bat and probably inserting him in that Del Rio feud uh, and then just having him have a real meaningful title reign or two versus like the little one month things. That's all I would change. Um, Cause I loved, I loved his nineties and uh, 2000 stuff like a ton holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah, man. Um, on that note, I did say I got that Christian, but what reminded me too is so like I've always collected uh, just like off and on, like I would have some, some figures here and there. If one looked cool, I'd, I'd grab it. And like when I was younger, I just got a random sporadic figures. And now I know like a ton about the different styles, like the Jacks BCA versus the Jacks, like Titan Trons, uh, all that. And I definitely had some bone crunchers, uh, the BCA is bone crunching action. I definitely had some of those. I had some of the, the, titantron live things but it wasn't like i knew what sets were or anything it was just like oh hey there's this wrestler i didn't care what they looked like i I want this one the first set that i really remember knowing that was like a set and i don't think there was a commercial or anything uh, but it was like 2002 and it was unchained fury and around this time i had a weird like crazy obsession with uh rob van dam and talking about all this christian from the 90s and 2000s stuff like really reminded me of this set um, and it was called Unchained Fury. 
they were still like Titantron Live style figures, right? And it came with Rob Van Dam, Lance Storm, Booker T, the Hurricane, Tajiri, and Ric Flair. And it was the first time that a lot of those guys had figures. And I remember knowing that that set was there and being so pumped for that. I obviously, RVD was the first one I got. This was back in the KB Toys era. So I remember running to KB Toys, knowing that that set was there. I don't know why or how, because I definitely didn't have internet in 2002. I, I may have just seen it at one point and just looked at the back and see, I don't know. I, I honestly can't remember, but I remember uh, I got the RVD uh, and then I got the, mm, not the, I never had hurricane. I think I had RVD and then Lance storm were the first two that I purchased. Somehow I ended up acquiring the Tajiri out of that set as well. Uh, and then I remember wanting to get all of them, but then just like life goes on and then other sets come out and then you just start, back down the ways. And now that I'm an adult and I can research things and understand how sets work, uh, I, I repurchased that whole, um, unchanged fury set, which is like so awesome and like nostalgic for me. I'm keeping them all like mint on card. Uh, th that kind of goes along. I started collecting the ECW original San Francisco toy maker set and growing up, I never had them. I was very like like I knew what ECW was mostly from my cousins that were wrestling fans. Um, I remember it being on really, really late at night a few times where I, I saw it. Um, but I, I wasn't like, so when I, I, and I remember seeing them at KB toys in like 2000 and I just didn't really know what ECW was. Uh, I knew what it was kind of, but I just, I just didn't care. I was like, what is it? was this shit? This isn't WWF right now. Uh, especially now that I go back and watch so much old ECW, I'm like, dude, I need to collect all these. So I'm like, probably a little more than halfway through collecting all those and dude it's it's a very expensive habit and this this uh this pandemic really uh causes you to do things like that <laughs> when you have free time and you listen to the major wrestling figure podcast they get you super pumped for these figures so yeah there's definitely a deviation from fantasy booking but i was pretty pumped about that unchained fury set uh that's like nostalgia for me like hard like i i i remember being excited about that set like it was yesterday so uh very very cool yeah well we're almost we're about 50 minutes in here so like i said guys uh training could resume pretty quickly here um hopefully within the next month or so we'll have updates on that i'm still you know training and and trying to stay in good shape for this and uh, kind of figuring out what I want to do like character wise for when I start working shows and stuff, you know, if that happens, um, this could end up just really being a training endeavor and then who knows. Uh, but I will take you guys along, uh, the, the journey with me. Uh, yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening this week, folks, please support the pod, uh, anchor.fm spandex planet. If you want to uh, contribute, I'm on Instagram at Spandex Planet Pod. The links are, are in the description. Um, man, go, go give it a like, support it. Let me know what you think. Feedback is, is much appreciated. Uh, and tell your friends, man. Let's let's build this thing up and let's get a, let's get some let's get some fans in here, man. I would I would I would definitely really really appreciate that. But yeah, thanks for listening this week, guys. Uh, until next week, this has been Spandex Planet. Bye.